Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's Gospel, we hear about the account of Jesus' birth as told to us by Matthew. Now it's interesting. The center of the story revolves around Joseph. If you look at Luke's Gospel, the center of the story revolves around Mary. Well, what I want to do for the homily for this weekend is to focus on the gospel, especially Joseph. Joseph is a person that we really don't know much about in sacred scripture. He's present before Jesus is born and afterwards, but then he just slowly fades away and we never hear from him again. We don't know his fate. So what I want to do is take the opportunity to look at St. Joseph and see him as a great role model for us all in the spiritual life. Now, how does the story begin? It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Well, what we have to understand first and foremost is yes, Mary and Joseph are betrothed to each other. But what we have to understand is how the wedding process worked in the ancient world, especially for the Israelites. The weddings in the ancient world for the Israelites, you could say were two parts or came in two phases. The first part was a betrothal period. Now this part consisted of the groom formally going to the bride's house and asking the father of the bride if he would have permission to marry his daughter. If the father agreed, Then the groom and the father of the bride would negotiate what we would refer to as a dowry, a sum of money that the groom had to pay the father of the bride in order for the groom to marry his daughter. Now, once that amount was negotiated and agreed upon, then the groom and the bride were betrothed to each other. They were what we would refer to as legally married. It was a legally binding agreement that they were now husband and wife. And yet... They could not live with each other. Now, during this betrothal period, essentially the bride lived with her parents still. The groom lived in his own house. Now, the period lasted for about a year or so, and it was a time in which the groom worked feverishly to raise enough money to pay the dowry. Once he had the amount of money to pay the dowry, then the second part of the wedding took place, the formal wedding and the ceremony. They would go to the synagogue or the temple and the priest would perform the wedding ceremony and administer the prayers and the blessings over the couple. Then they would have the wedding feast. And yet the wedding itself wouldn't conclude until the groom ceremoniously took the bride into his house. Then they were fully married. And yet it says for Joseph and Mary, they're in their betrothal period. And Mary is living with her parents. Joseph on his own in his own house. Now, they are seeing each other from time to time. We would refer to it as dating. And Joseph now hears the news. Mary is pregnant. and It's not his child. 
It's someone else's, and Mary can't explain it. Now, we have to realize, Mary was the love of Joseph's life. His whole life was wrapped upon her. All of his hopes and dreams revolved around him and her, sharing a life together, children, grandchildren, everything. And now he hears something. We can only imagine how devastated he must felt. We can only imagine his thoughts and his feelings. Hurt, anger, betrayal, even feeling humiliated by this. So he immediately decides to cancel the wedding, to not go through with it, and divorce Mary quietly. Now, Joseph feels that this is probably the best thing for both of them. He really thinks that this is probably the best for each of them. Mary can now go her own way, and so can Joseph. Notice what it says about Joseph. He was a righteous man, and yet unwilling to expose her to shame, he decided to divorce her quietly. Now, Joseph is a righteous man, which means he's in a right relationship with God. He's a man of great moral character. He also knows the Torah, the law. And he knows a woman found guilty of adultery. The punishment was stoning to death. Now, we can only imagine Joseph's great pain that he is now experiencing. And yet, his first thoughts are about Mary. It tells us that he truly loves her. So he wants to divorce her quietly to protect her. First from the punishment, from being stoned to death. But also he wants to protect her from being shamed especially from her own family. So he believes what he's doing is the right thing. And yet, behold, in a dream, the angel Gabriel comes to him and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. Joseph, now his whole world has been turned upside down. And yet in this dream, the angel Gabriel tells Joseph, what God's will is for him. Now Joseph knows it. Now stick with that theme of dreams. If you look at sacred scriptures, many times God uses dreams to communicate to people. Look at the Old Testament. Joseph, in the coat of many colors, sold into slavery by his own brothers, spending years in Egyptian prison, finally discovers he has the ability to interpret dreams. And he does so for the Pharaoh of Egypt. And in doing so, he rises to a very prominent position in the Egyptian government. And in doing so, uses that position to help the people of Israel, especially his own family, from famine. Look at Daniel. Daniel also interprets the dreams of the king of Babylonian. But he also has that very special dream in which he sees Jesus Christ coming into this world and the angels descending and ascending upon him. Well, for Joseph... God communicates to him through dreams. And it's not just this dream, there are many others. Take, for example, the dream in which the angel Gabriel comes to him and says, you know, take the child and his mother and flee into Egypt because Herod is trying to destroy the child and remain there until I tell you to come back. Well, what are we to make of this? How are we to understand this? Well, God speaks to us in many different ways through the sacraments, through prayer, through people, through events. What we have to do is make sure we are constantly listening, listening to God. Prayer is probably the best way in which we can listen to God, always communicating with us, so that what? We come to know Him, love Him, and serve Him.
Therefore, what's expected of us? We always have to be listening. We have to be people of prayer. And yet, what's the problem? We stop praying. You know, people come up to me from time to time and they tell me, you know, Father, I feel a sense of no direction, no meaning or purpose in my life. I feel like I'm in a spiritual malaise. The first question I'll ask them, do you pray every day? And they'll say, well, not really. Then I'll tell them, maybe that's your problem. You know, there's that great story of John Paul II. You know, when he was a young priest, someone came up to him and asked him, what can I do to strengthen my prayer life? His response, take the time. Take the time to pray every day and several times a day. Prayer is indispensable in the spiritual life. Without prayer, how else can we come to know the will of God for us? How else can we know God's reassuring presence in our life? And how else can we come to know, love, and serve Him? Now, these dreams, take it a step further. They symbolize Joseph now seen from a perspective that he never thought he could see before. The angel Gabriel tells him that Mary has conceived the power of the Holy Spirit and this child is going to be the Son of God and save the world from their sin. He will be called Emmanuel. God is with us. Joseph now sees God's plan of salvation laid out for him. And better yet, Joseph sees how he plays a very important part of it. And so too, when we pray, we see God's plan of salvation for us and how we now play a part in it. And yet, what's the hidden danger? Rationalism. This is a person that says, unless I see it and understand it, I won't believe in it. Well, I would say faith is a willingness to dream. It's a willingness to pray and pray big. And in doing so, now we see, think, and feel things we never saw before. Now, suddenly, we have the courage to become a lector and an extraordinary minister at Mass, to be a catechist, to teach the faith to our children, to go into the inner city and volunteer at soup kitchens to feed the poor and the homeless. See, it's only by dreaming, by praying, that now we are to see God's will for us. Now we know, love, and are able to serve Him. See, that's why Joseph is a great role model for us all. Now, with that in mind, go into the first reading, and it begins to make more sense. Here we got God telling a person to dream and dream big. In the first reading, here we have King Ahaz, the king of Israel. He's surrounded by a formidable foe that's ready to attack and conquer them, and he doesn't know what to do. So he turns to Isaiah, and Isaiah says what? Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Let it be deep as the netherworld or as high as the sky. Well, God is telling Ahaz, dream and dream big, and I will make that dream happen. Dream for something spectacular and it will come true. See the great lesson in the spiritual life. In the spiritual life, we always must aim high. Never settle for mediocrity. God wants Ahaz to dream and dream big. Well, see, that's what God wants from us, to pray and pray big. But Ahaz doesn't do it. Sometimes we are like Ahaz, afraid, intimidated by the things of this world or life. We lack a sense of trust in God. Now notice what God says. Is it not enough that you weary people? Must you also weary your God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you this sign. So God is telling Ahaz, if you won't dream big, then I will dream big for you. 
And then he says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Well, Ahaz now, he has seen God's plan of salvation revealed to him. He's seen how God has dreamed big for him and the biggest dream possible, that the Son of God is going to come into this world and save it. And that is a great dream. See, Joseph realized that. That's why he dreamt and dreamt big. He finally knew God's will. And once he knew it, he loved God and he served God by accepting Mary as his wife and Jesus as his stepson. And so what's expected of us? To do the same thing. Dream and dream big. Pray and pray big. Faith is a willingness to dream. Now, did Joseph really totally understand God's plan of salvation? Probably not. He was in shock. Did he truly understand and believe Mary's immaculate conception and how she conceived Jesus? Well, probably not. But he had faith. He had faith and he had a willingness to dream. And because of that, now he knew God's will. He loved God and he served him. And he becomes a great role model for us. We too must be people of prayer. Dream big, pray big. See, when we do that, like Joseph, we will know God's will for us. And then knowing it, then we love God and we serve him to the best of our abilities. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.